Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Football Inquirer podcast, live here from the Globe in Brentford. Um, this week we're going to be talking about the transfer window, uh, rounding up the transfer window that ended on Thursday. Uh, we're going to look at the Liverpool game um, against Chelsea in midweek. Um, and we're also going to discuss VAR um, and what potential changes might happen next season um, in the Premier League and, and whether this may benefit or, or disadvantage fans. Um, Josh, do you want to touch on um, Brozier moving to, to Fulham um, and some business by Spurs? Yeah, so um, early on in the window, we know Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspurs, they, um, they made a couple of signings. Timo Werner making his return to the Premier League. Um, quite interesting because obviously we, we all know his time at Chelsea he didn't go quite to plan for whatever reason. Um, I think obviously if there was one manager in the Premier League and uh, Tottenham at the moment, I think he could definitely get the best out of him. Uh, the way he likes to play, he likes, he likes to play with a high line. Um, he loves his team to be playing on the front foot. So I think if there's one manager to get the best, best out of him, it's definitely going to be Ange. I think maybe his time so far, I mean, he's yet to get on the score sheet, but obviously you've got James Madison back who can definitely, I'm sure he's going to be providing for him. But obviously keen to have your, an understanding, Tom, how you feel about how Timo Werner is going to get on in the Premier League as well. Um, well, he's obviously, like I, I think... At Chelsea, everyone had these massive high hopes because he had an insane scoring record at, yeah. um, at, at Leipzig. And, and that obviously can lead into false interpretations in terms of how he may, may produce. And obviously, there is going to be time to adapt, but he knows the league now. Um, but, you know, we have to see how, how he'll fit into a different style because under, at Chelsea, he obviously played under Frank Lampard, Thomas Tuchel, um, and, and it probably didn't really really work out for him in in the sense in terms of in front of goal. Um, he did win a couple of trophies, which is what he said he went there to do. But um, I think it'd be interesting to see um, at Spurs what uh, what he can do and, and whether Ange can actually get the best out of him. Um, I know Ange obviously likes to play high line, uh, you know, pressing football yeah. um, like yeah. most teams do now, and that's how he was playing at, at Leipzig. But it's obviously different competition. Um, and and his re- most recent spell at Leipzig wasn't wasn't the best. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see over the course of the next six months um, how we will will um, will turn out um, at Spurs. But I reckon I reckon he could he could be a positive. Again, it's up in the air. We we don't we don't really know. But um, I think it could be a positive um, looking at it over the next six months. From, from so far from what we've seen, I, I could actually see Tottenham already signing him on a permanent and throwing that out there because Ange seems to, you know, he seems to go over him every game. I know they've got a few limited options, every team's got their injuries, but I think initially, early on, you, you know, you can see that Ange is putting a lot of trust into him, which is, which is good to see because I think a player definitely needs that. Um, but just going on to uh, Deadline Day, we want to talk about Amanda Brozier, his situation throughout the window. We know that Chelsea uh, put a 50 million price tag on him. Um, that was dropped to about 35 million and then Chelsea on deadline day decided, you know what, we're going to let him go on loan. It went from a loan with an obligation to a loan with an option and then a loan just with, you know, Chelsea Fulham now paying 4 million. So obviously I'm keen to sort of have an understanding, Tom, how you feel about how he's going to do it at Fulham. Is it the right decision, what he's doing? Mm. Um, how Chelsea have potentially handled it, in my opinion. I don't think they've handled it too well, but quite quite keen to have an understanding what you think. Yeah, I think the thing with Brozier is, for Chelsea's perspective, he needs a lot of minutes. Um, and Fulham, um, obviously, they're, they're probably missing someone, um, you know, big, bulky striker up front um, from Mitrovic's departure in, in the summer. So yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, uh, Rahul Jimenez, who went um, in the summer from Wolves, um, I don't think, you know, they haven't scored enough goals, in my opinion. So, yeah, you're right, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. But I think obviously it's a funny deal. Um, you know, if he plays a certain amount of games, the 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 loan fee is basically zero. Um, so I think that there is the incentive there, obviously, for for Fulham to to play him and for him to get as many games as he possibly can. Um, again, it's one of those where he's he's performed okay. Um, he has the the build um, for a striker in in the Premier League. Um, you know, or has all the tools to to be successful. Um, it's just about getting that game time and experience. And I think it's the s similar situation with a lot of strikers in, in the league at the moment um, where you have players that are young that aren't necessarily getting first team you know, experiences. Um, teams generally prefer to go for someone that's a bit more um, well-rounded, more refined and, and has a bit more experience. Um, but it'll be a good, a good, uh, good move for him, I think. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I completely, completely agree. I think the way Chelsea potentially hand potentially have handled it uh, for the players' confidence, you know, or, you know, especially on deadline day, just putting them on loan from, you know, I don't think they had any trust in them whatsoever. So I think from a, from a confidence thing, it's definitely best that Brozier left Chelsea because, um, you know, there's no point the player being there if the club don't want him there. Yeah, he's not going to do anything to his confidence, especially as he's only scored two goals all season. So I think, you know, it's a great deal for, for Brozier and obviously for Fulham in the end um, and, you know, Obviously, best of luck to the player, and hopefully he can um, kickstart his season a bit. Um, obviously, I know we we've already spoke about Tim Werner, um, etc. But one of our contributors has wrote an article about Tim Werner, so feel free in the description to um, to have a look on our social media pages as well. On the article um, uh, is our Ben Andrews. Well, you know, we'll put all of his uh, details in, in the description as well. So please be sure to you know follow him as well on Instagram, Twitter, all the social medias will be down below. Um, just some absolutely great detail in regards to how he thinks Angie's going to get the best out of him as well. So you don't want to miss that. Yeah. And, and Angelia as well. Uh, she produced an article on Brozier. So please, please do check that one out as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, probably touched a bit too much, too much on strikers, but um, there are two strikers that probably didn't get, get a move um, in, in the January transfer window. And, and um, that's that's Solanke and and uh, and Ivan Tony, um, who's heavily linked to, uh, uh, with a move away, um, and Tony, obviously, um, has come back with with a bang. Um, is probably the best way to put it. Um, he scored a couple of goals already, having been out for for eight months. Controversial um, free kick, but we're not going to go there now. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, is I think. Again, he's one of those players that, that could get a big money move in the summer. Uh, probably wasn't the right sort of time um, over the transfer window. Obviously, there, there being a record low spend um, this January. So um, there are a couple of clubs obviously interested in him. Um, it just depends in terms of which club is willing to pay more money, um, I think, at the end of the day. Because uh, I think he would fit very nicely into, into a top club. Um, but again, it's, it's un unforeseen in terms of how he can um, adapt to that environment at, at, a, at a bigger club. Obviously, we know that Brentford have, have um, massively improved over the last few years, um, and he's been important in that. So um, I think that him moving on in the summer will, will show a real test of, of character for him. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, Tom's you know, kindly touched on um, Ivan Tony quite a lot, but I think Dominic Solanke... Later on in the window, I think Arsenal to show a bit of initial interest in Liverpool. So there's definitely one to watch for the summer. Um, I think the reported price tag for Solanke is probably going to be around 40 million, whereas I think Ivan Tony, you're probably going to look at, I'll be honest, I think you're probably looking at 80 million from what Brentford has said they're looking for. Um, so I think, you know, 
we'll see, obviously, second half of the season. You know, if Tony can get back to where he was last season, he showed initially that he can. Um, and then, obviously, Solanke as well, if he carries on his fine goal-scoring form, it's going to put a question into Gareth Southgate's head as well for, this, for the Euros, I think, because if you've got two, you know, English strikers, I know we, we know Harry Kane's um, in the Bundesliga, we know he's going to be set Gareth Southgate's number nine, assuming he's fit, etc. for the Euros. But, obviously, you've got Solanke and Tony, obviously... We know Callum Wilson's rated as well, but obviously Callum Wilson's injured. So is there a scenario, Tom, do you think where Tony and um, Solanke are going to both get called up? Or do you think it'd be one or the other? I mean, and who would you go for at the moment? I know, obviously, Solanke, you know, has played more minutes this season. But where's your headline at the moment in regards to who, what striker do you prefer? I think, um, I think obviously, like you said, Harry Kane's going to be going to be number nine, yeah. um, unless obviously he gets injured um, in the next bit part of the season. Um, but that's probably quite unlikely. Um, but I think um, they're, they're two very different players. I, I think um, in terms of what they bring to to the team, and it will obviously depend on how Gareth Southgate picks his players, because as, as we're aware, he, he generally picks the same players over and over again, much to some people's like or, or dislike. Um, but I think. Um, it's a difficult one because you need to reward the players. You know, like Solanke's had a, had a great season, so um, I'd probably pick him um, only on the basis that he's played more this season than than Ivan Tony, and that's that's on the basis of you know um, him not having a, an eight month an eight month yeah, uh, yeah. A ban. But still, it's still a lot of football to play, though. So say there's a scenario, Tony. You know, he's he's come with a bang so far. Tony, you know, he scores ten plus goals at the end of the season. He matches what Solanke's done. Solanke, I think, has got a few more than that, but he gets quite close to what Solanke's achieved because I think Tony's definitely capable of doing that in, in the half a season. Is that going to maybe change Gareth Southgate's thinking? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so, really. It, it all depends on on, um, on where they're at at the time and, and who who plays um, in, in the upcoming internationals, um, you know, yes. middle of March. So we, we'll probably get a more refined idea then, but for now, we can only sort of speculate and I think... For me, for me, I think Solanke probably deserves it a tad more. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not really too sure myself. I think I'd like to see, you know, in the next couple of months in particular, just before Gareth Southgate picks his team for the March internationals, um, who's essentially, you know, playing better, who's score, scoring goals. I'd actually like to see a scenario where they're both called up in March, so they've got a bit of competition between each other. Um, I actually prefer both of them strikers ahead of. Um, a player like Callum Wilson as well, no disrespect, but I think he's a, he's a great player. But I think his injuries maybe could could let him down. I think if you had Tony and Solanke, um, I think you know you could even have a scenario where they're both in the Euros. But obviously that's you know for later down the line. Um, also this week as well as deadline day, we had a game week 22 in the Premier League. Liverpool smashed Chelsea um, in Jurgen Klopp's um, first game after he announced he's leaving the club at the end of the season. Um, the atmosphere would have been, I'm sure, absolutely amazing at Anfield. But in that game, it wasn't all as it seemed. Chelsea should have had, potentially should have had two penalties. One in the second minute where um, Van Dijk brought down Gallagher. Another, you know, I think at the time it's 3-2 to Liverpool. Um, and another occasion where Van Dijk kicks out with Christopher Nkunku. VAR did check both of these decisions and they deemed it as not a penalty. Um, what, what's your thoughts on, um, did you think there was a penalty? And obviously... 
what, why didn't the referee initially gave it? I didn't think he had the best game as well. But mm. um, yeah, well, first off, I think in terms of the Liverpool, just generally in their performance, they deserve to win the game. So there's no real um, queries in terms of would it have impacted the result? I don't think so. Um, but in terms of the penalty decisions, it's again very subjective with with refereeing and and, um, and VAR. Um, there's you know one week it will be given and one week it won't be given. Um, but I do think there obviously is contact there, but how the referees interpreted that, we don't know. Um, and we'll come on to that later in terms of the benefits that the Premier League changes have um, that are coming into next season uh, will have on, on, the, on the Premier League. But I think um, the, the Nkunku one, I think a lot of people um, would say that that is, uh, that would, that is a penalty. Um, just on the basis of the contact on, on his ankle. Um, but again, I don't think it would have changed the game too much. I think obviously Liverpool were very strong. Um, they had a, a quite a big mentality shift um, in terms of, look, they've got a manager that's, that's been there for, you know, eight years um, and he's leaving at the end of the season. So, um, you know, when you make an announcement like that, the players, if, the, if they have the right relationship with the manager, they're always going always gonna to perform to a high level. And that probably will be the case until the end of the season. Definitely, I think from what Jurgen Klopp's done as well, he's very, very clever. He's announced it at a very good time. Liverpool, top of the Premier League, they're in a Carabao Cup final. Um, I believe they're still in the FA Cup as well. They're in the Champions League, so they're on, they're on course potentially to, to win the treble. Not that whether they do or not, obviously, but they're on course of it. So it's only going to have extra motivation knowing, especially from what we from what we know is, you know, Jurgen Klopp's worked with some of these players for many years now, mm. so they're going to want to see their gaffer go off on a high. Yeah. Um, so I think just just from the face of it, I think he's probably announced it at a good time. It's going to have that extra motivation, even if the players say initially that it won't. Um, but just just in regards to the penalty decisions, I think Liverpool have had a couple of decisions themselves, as well as I've seen other decisions. I don't think I don't think there's, I don't I don't think it's too fair VAR in regards to what they're checking at the moment. So I think there's definitely going to be have to be some sort of improvement on that. Uh, we've seen, you know, a couple of decisions in recent weeks and all season really where there's soft penalties given. VAR haven't overturned it, but on a situation like this, just even the commentaries on TNC Sports were saying that even they were baffled it wasn't a penalty. So if you haven't seen it, obviously please be sure to you know check it out in regards to what we're talking about. You know, Virgil Van Dijk is kicking out at Nkunku and obviously when Gallagher was brought down. But, um, and let us know what you think as well. Let us know what you think, because we, we're, we're keen to know, obviously, we both think it was a penalty, quite, quite stonewalled. But obviously, if you, you know, if you disagree, please, please let us know. But please let us know why as well, because obviously, you know, we'd like to know, we'd definitely like to know. Mm. Uh, that also brings us on quite nicely into the Premier League of announced this week. VAR is going to be shown to the fans in the stadiums, which is, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, because at the moment, obviously, if you are a regular, you know, match day supporter, you're in the ground in in a Premier League, you'll you'll know that all you can see is VAR checking penalty. But on some occasions, you have no idea what they're checking for. So obviously, quite quite keen to know, um, Tom, how you feel about that and how how it's going to impact, you know, fans in the stadium as well. Mm. I think it's going to be a good thing. Um, at the end of the day, you know, more transparency in terms of what decisions are given and and what decisions. You know what the reasons behind why decisions are given and why they're not. Um, I think that's that's uh, really important for fans because you know at the end of the day you go to a game uh, or you know you're sitting at the TV and you're like, what are they looking? At? What are they looking at? Why are they looking at this? Or uh, you know why is it taking so long? We can see 
you know, on, on the video footage and things like that, why is it taking so long? And obviously, you have to take into consideration they'll be looking at multiple different yeah, pieces of, of play. Yeah. Um, and that's probably why it takes so long. But I think... Just on that, Tom, um, the decision I wanted to bring up as well, um, when you're saying it's taken so long, there was a decision, I'm not sure if you saw it yourself, in the West Ham match against Bournemouth. Um, I think it was uh, Jared Bowen, was it? who went down in the penalty, penalty area, I think it was. Um, and it was taken absolutely. Correct me if I'm wrong. It could have been, could have been another player, guys. So please let me know um, if, if it could. I think it could have been Kudus or, or Bowen. But they were brought down in the penalty area. Um, referee had hadn't given the penalty. It was two minutes later. The players were playing. The players had no idea. They were checking the penalties. So the players didn't even know there was a check going on. The fans in the ground didn't have a clue. Then there was a decision two minutes later where obviously the. the the referee's now being told to go to the monitor. He's spending at least a minute or two looking at the monitor, thinking, like, he's seen multiple replays, as Tom was just saying, and he still didn't know what to give. There's obviously a lot of pressure on him at the time. You know, the players are wondering what's going on. The fans on the ground, what's going on. The fans watching at home are wondering what is going on as well. So I think there definitely needs to be an improvement on, on, on you know, referees and... Uh, I mean, not referees, should I say, but on VAR and on how they're on hand handling this because mm. I think referees are under a lot of pressure as well yeah. in heat yeah. at the moment. Yeah, because you you know you're in a stadium with you know uh, upwards of you know ten, fifteen, twenty or thousand people, yeah. and um, to make a decision within you know a minute, but uh, is 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 probably quite difficult because there's all of these different noises and and you're trying to focus on on what exactly has happened in that moment. Um, I think personally, in terms of the the information that they provide to, to referees, needs to be you know they need to provide them with a lot more information and context around what's happened. Um, we, have you know, seen, we have seen that a little bit on PGML. Um, you know, we have seen the footage being released, and obviously in the referee's ear, he's being told so and so. But it's so weird because when 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 he's going over to the monitor, the referee, no matter what referee it is, they seem a bit baffled to me. Like mm. they don't really know what they they don't really know what they want to do. They don't know what decision they're going to give. Um, so it's quite interesting. Yeah, but I think obviously with um, with the the information that they're provided, um, they're only get, sometimes given only a still image, and then yeah. you can only make a decision on the basis of what you see in that still image, and they're not applying the context, um, which I think is obviously not the greatest way to 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 referee the game because the individual that's actually in charge in the moment in in the stadium is uh, is being you know they, they they don't have that visibility around what has actually happened. And we may see that, obviously, if they are given that visibility by, uh, by VAR um, and the PGMOL, then the, the, the viewpoints towards VAR might be slightly different. But I think, obviously, you know, the fact that they're, they're going to discuss these um, on, uh, you know, in the stadiums and things like that, I think that's, that's a positive because it will just allow for more, more transparency. Um, but there is, obviously, because of the times that, 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 that they take um, when they're on... Uh, you know the 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 decisions that they uh, they make, that, and the amount of time that might be something in terms of the 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 injuries um, and and how frequent some teams are getting some injuries um, on the basis like, especially in cold weather like we we have at the moment, they they're not the players are not keeping warm because they're waiting to see what the result of the uh, what the result of the um, the decision is, and that may be something that's not necessarily down to VAR, it's down to the coaches, but it's it's something that that can have an impact. Yeah, definitely. It's something I hadn't thought of myself, actually. You know, if there's two or three decisions in one half of football, because, you know, on some occasions we're waiting a couple of minutes to find out. Obviously, if the players, if they're not keeping warm, 
you know, we have seen multiple injuries. Every club's got them at the moment. You know, every big club's got them. Even some of the clubs in the bottom half of the table have got quite a number of injuries. It's not just because the amount of games are being played. It's just because of stop-starting football matches. Mm. Definitely not doing anything good for the players' bodies. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but so now, now we're just going to focus on um, on sort of um, match day experience as well. Um, that's that's something we like to touch on, um, just to, to bring the, the the podcast to to a bit of a close. Um, and um, this week, um, we had a, a, a <clears throat> an article from um, from Ben. Um, you can check it out on on Football Inquirer um, relating to his match day at uh, Stadium MK in Milton Keynes. Um, he, he, he wrote all about his match day, how much his ticket costs, um, a lot of information um, regarding you know, prices in stadiums and, and the overall experience, um, which we think can, can sort of help, help uh, you guys who ever go to, to, to matches um, on a regular basis or if it's your first time going um, or if you don't know too much about any stadiums and sort of want some information about how to get tickets and, and how to get there and, and what the best things to do on the match day are because ultimately it's a, it's a match day experience. Please do check out um, Ben's article um, on, on Stadium MK. Um, but sort of Great article as well, actually. He puts everything in there, what you'd want from a match day experience to, you know, to what, you know, exactly what his match day was because everyone's got a different match day experience. So please be sure to check it out. It's a fantastic article. Yeah. Um, so that sort of leads us down to the, the close of the, uh, the, the podcast today. So, um, Josh, have you got anything else you'd like to add? Nothing from my side. Uh, obviously, thank you guys for, for listening. Um, we'll be back next week. So same time, same place. Uh, we'll see you then. Brilliant. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks.